This week on The Reverse Stick, Siegfried Eichmann joins us, fresh from Japan's victory in the Asia Games. Sugar Britches from the TRS World 11 gives us a warning about drinking the Kool-Aid and plenty more. And welcome once again to The Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. And uh, we're pushing the boundaries again this week. Matt Allen, my co-host, because we've got a pile to get through. It's going to be a, a fast-paced, high-tension episode this week, John. Of course, uh, I don't have to harp on too much, but uh, when was the Mexico City Olympics? 1968. 68, that's right. Why is that significant, John? Podcast 68. It is indeed. How was your hockey week, my friend? I'm crook. I'm grumpy, and I'm not very happy. So crook, crook for the uh, non-Australian listeners, crook means he's been unwell. Ill. Ill. You're not happy? I'm not happy. All right, we're not going to hold on much with this. Let's get to the news quickly, and we're going to rip through this show, mate. News. Well, a fair bit of international junior hockey going on over uh-huh. the, the past few days. Uh-huh. Uh, Sultan of Johor Cup happening in Malaysia. That's an under-21 competition for boys, men, men nearly boys. A um, few interesting results uh, going on there. Do you, like um, You'll hear from Siggy Eichmann a little bit later on in the show. The Japanese team are doing very well there at the moment. India seems to be doing pretty well. Um, we'll talk about the, the full wrap next week. We, we don't need to go through all of that, do we? No, I mean... Streaming on YouTube. You'll get it on YouTube. There's there's stuff there. I mean, I I think as important and as wonderful as junior tournaments and junior development and all is, it's still very much... um, You can't read too much into it. Oh, no, you look at the amount of guys that are playing for all of the national teams there. There will be a very small number of those that will make it through to, um, sure. to the senior national times. No, no, like and, well, and look, but. it's fantastic to get the experience and wonderful for the, the guys and girls, well, the guys in, that are involved there. Why is it always junior boys and, and men's tournaments? And, you know, can somebody not put their hand in their pocket and do something similar for the I, women's I game, please? I do believe that we had this exact same conversation 12 months ago yeah. in the last Top of Your Cup. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, nothing much seems to have improved there, which is a pity. Now, of course, we've got the Youth Olympic Games, the Hockey Fives happening at the moment as well in Buenos Aires. Um, I couldn't find any of it online at the start of the week. Uh, I can now, and I watched one of the games last night, um, the Mexico, ooh, who were they playing? Poland, I think, game in, on, for the men, for the boys. Of course, that's an under-18 tournament there. Um, they've been getting great crowds there, John. They've, they've, okay. There's been um, lineups of a, a thousand plus people to get into venues, and if you go out for a drink or to use the facilities, you've got a, a long queue to, to get back in again. So it's being embraced by the locals. Um, I'll be honest, I find it a little bit pedestrian. Um, I've, I've watched a few of the games. Yeah, um, there's nothing about the skill of the players. No, 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 it's just the, 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 yeah, the, the, for, the, for, the format and the nature of the game there. And, and we see some little highlights packages that get thrown up, and there aren't many highlights in the highlights package. I reckon you could probably distill one of those games down into a two-minute package, and, and you just about get the best bits out of it. Um, some big losses for some of the sides there as well, though. But congratulations to the Namibian girls who got a win over Australia, which I think yeah. shocked a few people. Look, um, you know what? As much as I'm not really interested in it, I still see the value of it 
for the participants, for the nations involved, and and maybe you know, maybe that Poland's through to the quarterfinals. Well done to the Poles. Uh, you know, it's good. I, it's just something I'm finding hard to be enthused about. Well, I think there might be inspiration for the non-hockey fan, the general sports fan that are going along. They might think, I want to go and pick up a stick, or hey, when's this pro league starting? I wouldn't mind getting my eyes on that. But you do have to caveat everything that I say today with it. Yes, he's grumpy. grumpy he's grumpy. Not happy thing. We'll get onto some of those no, things shortly. You might be happy later on, John. I've got a, I'm going to give you a little sing-song, uh, oh, but more of that coming up. I am. Well, we had a request on the social media, and of course you can find us on social media on Instagram, Facebook, and on Twitter, all at the reverse stick. You can also find us on scored.com. John, are you on scored.com? No, nah, I didn't think so. Um, yeah, I could log in. Other big hockey event over last weekend. Of course, we were joined by Stephen Findlater um, from Euro Hockey, and of course, it was the round one of Euro Hockey in Barcelona. Some fantastic games. I enjoyed a lot of the streaming on that. I think and you were the sick AHL for most of it. Was, that is why I am not happy. I got halfway through the Red Rock Rovers game. Three Rock Rovers. Three Rock, three Rock, Rovers. <laughs> three Rock Rovers on Friday. Halfway through it, and. That was me for the rest of the week. About the next six days, five days, it's been. So that was their six-nil win over Racing um, from France. Of which I don't think I saw one of those goals. What was this? it? Was six-nil six, six final score. And yeah, that but it was it was nil all at quarter time. I know that, and I didn't quite make it to half time. There we go. Well, look, it was a fantastic result from them, and that paved the way for them to end up qualifying for their group. Their second game, they played against Junior, who were debutants in the tournament. Uh, they got a, an equaliser from a corner right at the death to make it 1-1. Um, so they then, for Junior to advance, they needed to better that 6-0 result in the final game. They had a 5-1 win. Oh. So three rock go through. Stephen and the uh, and the three rock team very happy to to go through. Also going through Mannheimer from Germany, or Angie Rood from Holland, from Eindhoven. Of course, packed full of stars there. And uh, Royal Leopold. They all advance through to the the knockout 16. Uh, the draw for that will take place on the 21st of October. That will um, be played in Eindhoven at the home of Rangi Rood as well. Um, there's also some fresh developments and uh, some big news to come out of Euro Hockey on that day. Um, there will be a change to the numbers of teams that will be playing uh, from next year on, but there's some big news, I've been assured, but but we can't tell you until it's been announced on the 21st. But it's been announced that they're cutting from 24 to 20 teams. That's correct. That's, I've seen that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, teams like Wimbledon and Junior, very unlucky to go out there. Wimbledon didn't lose a game. But didn't get that top spot. It was a, I think it was a 1-1 draw between Wimbledon and uh, Mannheimer. Uh, Mannheimer got through. Yeah, it was Mannheimer got through on the on the goal difference there. They were a 7-2 win over Electrostar. Helped them out in that one. And uh, didn't the English hockey press take kindly to that? We've already seen articles appearing about what's wrong with the English hockey based on the fact that they can't qualify to the KO16. Oh, get, yeah. get your eyes on galvanised hockey because there's some fantastic goals coming out of there at the moment. I think Zach Wallace scored an absolute screamer at the weekend. Um, but yeah, some really good stuff. Get online to galvanised hockey for that. Um, we've also had that tournament in Pakistan. That's just finished. So that's, uh, you know, that's kind of the training camp for a lot of the international side there. What tournament? The, oh, am I going to have to go through the whole name of it again? No, I haven't. No, I haven't. No, this is going to be a quick show, John. Yeah, don't confuse us. Um, what tournaments are going on where? I don't know. God, he needs to go back to bed. Uh, that's it from the news, John. Let's get on with the show. Yeah. 
You are listening to the Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. And John, it's time for interview number one of our two featured interviews of the week. Joining us today on the Reverse Stick, we're very pleased to have the head coach of the Japanese men's international team, Mr. Ziggy Eichmann. Hello. Welcome to the show, sir. Um, an absolute pleasure to have you on board today. It's a, a very busy time for you there in Japan hockey, and I know that we, we've managed to catch you in between training sessions. Um, but as always on the reverse stick, um, we'll get to what you're doing now, but we'd love to find out your hockey history and where did it all start for you? Oh, that's a long story. It started in 1971 when I came to Holland. I, I'm originally from Suriname. Suriname used to be a colony of Holland, and so I went to Holland for my high school. And there I had an English teacher who said, I know a sport which will, which will suit you, and that was hockey. And by coincidence, I, I ended up the, on the hockey pitch. And so that was starting out at school? Were you involved with a club at a young age in Holland? Uh, at a club in Holland, we don't have school hockey. So it was a club, a small club in Amsterdam. And it was called, uh, it was the, Dutch YMCA Hockey Club. And then you you played for that club for a while, but I understand you took up coaching at quite an early age. Yes, I played for that club. I only played for that club, and uh, I played until my 21st, 24th year, and I picked up coaching there when I was 14 years. And take us through those coaching steps. And what was the first team that you that you coached? I coached the six years old uh, who started playing hockey. So I st- start to teach them the basics of hockey. We play. They play three against three. Then later six against six. And so I went through actually all the development teams and all the youth teams and I ended up coaching the under 18s from our club and because I couldn't do the seniors I because I played myself in that time and so I did many junior teams at our club Ziggy was coaching something that you that came naturally and just fell in into your lap, or was it something that you uh, you thought I want to do this and you chased it? No, I didn't chase it. It came on my path and I and I enjoyed it. And actually, uh, I'm a a people's person, so I always was busy with uh, other people. I'm always I'm very interested in people, in their behavior, in the reason why they do things and how they do things and how they can do it better. So I, on a very young age, I was already doing those kinds of things. And that's one of the reasons that people asked me to start coaching. And doing that, yes, it, it just got me. And I wanted to do it. And I had a lot of fun. I, my life was basically on the hockey pitch. All my free time was on the hockey pitch. Ziggy, do you think um, that part of you as a, a natural teacher or do you think that, that you know, hockey is what you're teaching now but if you perhaps hadn't have gone into hockey that you might be teaching something else? Yes, I'm sure about that. I'm not only teaching hockey, I'm also an executive coach in, for businessmen 
So in Holland, one of my jobs was coaching uh, uh, board of directors with about strategic coaching, uh, strategic stuff. So I'm not only busy with, uh, I was not only busy with sports, but also I'm a master in strategic business management, and that has my interest too. At, at what stage, Ziggy, did you think, well, this coaching gig could actually be a, a proper job? Well, uh, that was at a very, very late age, actually, because I always was, uh, hockey was always my hobby, and uh, it was a mo- more or less a part-time job. And when I joined in, uh, Japan in 2009 for the first time, then it was also the first time that it was my full-time job. Wow. So before that, I I never wanted to be a full-time hockey coach because I think that it's important to be connected with uh, the other part of society and uh, understand what's going on in the country or in the world. And the combination of business, of uh, people management, of uh, knowledge on other tracks than sports, I think it's very beneficial for a coach and it helps players to it helped me as a coach to grow players not only in hockey but also in their mental setup in their career in their uh, in their life a lifestyle coaching is also part of it because I'm very interested in people as I said before and that's my drive now, along that journey with coaching, you're also an FIH coach educator. Could you tell the listeners what that involves and, and uh, how that came about? Yes, in, uh, uh, let me see, in 2001, I started an FIH course in Rotterdam. No, yes, in, in year 2000, I started an FIH coach in Rotterdam. And uh, Richard Eggers was conducting. He was the educator then from Australia. And so I went into the FIH coaching process. Uh, They asked me to do some Olympic solidarity courses. And then I I enjoyed the coaching uh, courses, doing the coaching courses for FIH. At a later stage, they had... uh, educators courses and I'm also an educator trainer that means that I can coach and teach educators and uh, so I came into the edu- in the coach education worldwide but before that I was already a coach educator in Holland where I, I'm, I was allowed to uh, educate all levels of uh, the Dutch system now, whilst we're on the Dutch system, you, you had some success as a coach domestically there. You were with Den Bosch women's team? Yes, and with HGC's women's team. And uh, we won the, the Dutch Championship, the European Cup, and the European Championship with those teams. I also did many states teams, which also won the Dutch National State title. So there were domestic uh, successes. But it's all about uh, developing players, uh, developing people to grow, to get the, the, the max out of what they want. That's more interesting than 
the results which uh, if it goes well it reflects on the results of course but the main objective is that people learn that they can reach the max of what they want to do and actually they do it themselves it's not something that I do but I support, I facilitate, I challenge them and I hope that they can grow doing that what they really want to do and achieving that what they really want to do for me it's very important that players desire to do something and if they desire it they will find a way to make it happen and sometimes I can help them on that journey Siggy obviously Dutch hockey is revered around the world and the, the system is revered what, what do you think are the, the big reasons why hockey works in, in the Netherlands one of the well it has many reasons but one of the reasons is an excellent program coaching structure from the KNHAB that's the Dutch Hockey Association and uh, because of the good coaching structure there are many coaches on every level who are educated well, have the same background, have a lot of knowledge and they invest a lot in that so there's a lot of exchange of knowledge in between the coaches there are competitions for as I said for 6 years old, for 9 years old for under 20, under 12 years, under 14, under 16, under 18 we don't have a competition under 21 but we have many competitions and not only for one teams but clubs have maybe 20 or 40 teams and they are all participating in leagues so there's a huge structure uh, of teams who are involved in hockey and all those teams have to be coached by people who are educated and who have hockey knowledge so hockey is a family thing many people come to hockey for a family business they meet each other they have fun and they can play at each level at the club you can play at development level but also on high performance level and there's no high performance without development and the other way around as well yeah absolutely we fully agree with that and endorse it on the show so where, 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 where does the leap come from to then get involved in coaching at an international level? Well, it happened coincidentally. It started with me doing courses all over the world and then I was asked to be to act as coaching consultants for countries which what meant, meant that I was coaching I was helping the national head coaches by coaching the teams and sharing the knowledge with the head coaches in developing countries and yes so so it went on and I really enjoyed it but actually my desire to do this came because I had the opportunity to, to go to Japan and Japan was a country I have always dreamt of to work in and to uh, experience the Japanese culture so when that came around I quit my job my office job and that's the first time I did for hockey <laughs> and that, that was back in 2009 yes it was back in 2009 and uh, at that moment everybody said why are you doing this you must be mad because I had a good job with uh, well, a job which suits me with lots of perspective and uh, I had a senior management 
row. So it was strange to give it up all for hockey, which was very insecure, of course, because in sports, so you are a hero and so you are a zero. (laughs) And you are as good as your last match. So there are no guarantees. And to go into a step like that was a kind of suicide, some people said. But I... It was my passion, and I fo- I just followed my passion, and I never regret it. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a bold move to go and do it in a country such as Japan as well. What, how did you get on culturally when you when you first got there? Well, it was a cultural shock on one hand, and on the other hand, not really, because I read a lot about Japan, and I have a lot of interest in in culture and in people, and I had through all my uh, experiences in all the other continents. I've been to Africa many times. I've been to the eastern part of Europe. I've been to USA, uh, wherever, to, to Asia as well. So I had many experiences with other cultures, and it always went smoothly. So I was convinced that I could do it here as well. But... Uh, Japanese are unique and uh, it took me a little while to understand the Japanese culture and actually in this second term I do I have a lot of benefits from my first term because I learned a lot about the Japanese culture and how people behave and why uh, the reasons why they are doing things why they are not doing things and uh, it benefits me now in the fact that I can be more specific and I can be more helpful for players and support them more in what they really want because I understand them a little better. So you have, how do you cope with the language? Is it something you've, you've got your handle on now? Well, no. <laughs> I have a translator and I try to do my level best to understand but it's a difficult language it's a phonetic language it's very hard for me to learn it's also because I'm a little old and uh, that makes it a little harder because when I was younger I could adapt foreign languages more easier But and the fact that I have a translator doesn't challenge me to do everything to learn the language but the other hand uh, with the translator it works well he understands me, I understand him we have a lot of contact together and uh, well, we manage but of course it would be much better if I could speak the language fluently but that isn't the fact well, Ziggy you mentioned that you're only as good as your last result and your last result was a pretty good one as it, as it turns out I mean that's that's been a long journey for you though there with Japan you know what are some of the difficulties you've had to overcome to, to bring Japan forward as a, a, a strong nation in hockey? Well, uh, the Japanese players are always very skillful. They are very fast. They are agile. But uh, the tactical knowledge and also the knowledge of uh, modern hockey, they lack that knowledge and uh, they lack the experience. Uh, Hockey is also a sport which develops very fast. It changes continuously. That means that if you are not in the uh, opportunity to play against the best teams, you will never have that experience. And when you play them, they will kill you. 
because they are much better. And what we try to do, we try to play many matches against all the top teams, learn from them. We had some massive defeats, even in the Asian games. But uh, we learned from that, we adapt, we try to improve our play continuously. That's also one of the things that's very important for me, that when we are on the pitch, we want to be better than the day before. And uh, that works very well in Japan, because... Japanese are always busy with improving what they are doing. That's where quality management systems, which we use in uh, business all over the world, like the Deming Circle, the Lean lean, uh, 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 Method, it all originates in Japan, where they are always busy with improving, like Toyota has the Kaizen. It's a way of trying to improve step by step what you're doing yeah. so that you can make a perfect product well that's if that's the basic attitude it's very easy to teach to learn because they are eager for knowledge they want to improve and they do their level best to get there and that that helped me a lot and because I understood how it worked I could also support them more in their learning needs and that helped and together with the experience and all the matches we played, we, could, we were able to make big steps. It, it strikes me as well, Ziggy, that um, the Japanese teams, both men and women, seem to work really hard as well. It's not just about skill, it's about how much effort they're prepared to put in on the field. That's true. Uh, success never comes by like with magic. It's always sweat, it's determination, it's passion, and it's... Uh, for us, it's a never-give-up mentality, and what we call here Yamato Damashi, that's fighting spirit for uh, your country, for, from your heart, that you will do everything to succeed. And that's what you see. They never give up. They work hard. They keep focused, and that's very, very important. So only when you work hard, we practice the whole summer, in, when it was 40 degrees in the shadow, we practiced twice a day, right. four hours a day, in the heat, because we would play in Jakarta in the heat, and we keep telling us ourselves, it's not hot, it's uh, convenient. It's comfortable. <laughs> and when we were there, we never complained about weather, about the circumstances, because we, we, we were used to it. For us, it was nice weather. And we were able to deliver because we were used to all the things you could overcome there. And uh, it's that determination and focus which helps us to grow. Now, your your team's been recently involved in Australia at the the top end in Darwin. And prior to that, John made reference to that remarkable 6-6 draw and, and subsequent shootout win against Malaysia in the Asian Games final. I also see that Sultan of Johor Cup games and results are going really well for Japan at the moment too, with wins against Australia and Great Britain and a draw against New Zealand. There's obviously a a good, talented pool that you've got there. Where where do you find the players and and how are you picking them? What's the system in Japan? Well, the play... uh, uh, Japan has a school system, so they... They, we don't have a club structure here, so players are uh, they get uh, hockey is introduced by the, at the schools. 
They play at elementary schools. Some, a few elementary schools have hockey. Then on junior high schools, senior high school, and they play six aside until they go to senior high school. That means that they play on a quarter pitch and they play. They have many ball contacts. They have they have to be skillful. They have to they have to make their decisions quickly. So uh, in the setup, they learn a lot, and the the players they really love hockey. So they are very eager to teach themselves and to learn and to invest in new things. So everything they see, they try, and that's a good part because of that they they are very skillful. What they see, they can do. Why? Because they just practiced it many many times, and through that structure, when they go to the universities. Then they and also at the senior high schools. Then they start to play 11 against 11, and uh, there are many uh, competitions in Japan where they can participate and they compete with each other. So that's how it starts. And then the next level for those guys is there, you know, a kind of a, a state championships or something like that, where the selectors can cast an eye over them, or are they, or a, or a uh, good player is fast tracked. Uh, they are uh, their coaches uh, endorse them for the national team and if the coaches endorse them they can join the national team camp or they can come to a draft so if someone believes that he is good he can just join uh, the selection days the open selection days and uh, if they are good we will pick them Uh, what I have Try, what I try to do is to select not only on hockey skills and on speed and agility, but also on uh, mental things like fighting spirit, uh, dealing with disappointments, uh, decision making, uh, their, uh, their willingness or ability to sacrifice themselves for others. Because it's nice that you do things on your own very well, but if you don't do it for others, you're useless in uh, high-performance sports. <laughs> so we try. I try to add those things that we select on a different way, and uh, we bring that together. So once they're into the system and they're in the national program, what does that look like for a player? How often do you get together? Where do they stay? What sort of things happen? Uh, yes, when they get uh, in the national team, we uh, we try to do uh, two weeks in a month. We try to have camp. That means that we have eight days camps in a month. That's from Monday afternoon till Friday morning, to the end of Friday morning, and then we are uh, we stay together. We practice twice a day. We have a meeting in the evening. We talk a lot of hockey, we eat hockey, we drink hockey, we are together. And then they go back to their, uh, and in the weekends they are free. They go to their clubs they play, or the universities or wherever they are, they, they work. And the other days they work. And no one is a full prof- professional here. But everyone works, or the, most of the players work. And if their company has a hockey team, or there's a hockey team, from different uh, uh, companies together, then they play for that team. And if that team have uh, 
the team participates in leagues and uh, they also have a state team and so there are many competitions in which they participate. So what's the next step now for the Japan men's national team? There's a, a couple of tournaments coming up I believe. <laughs> yes, well our main aim is of course Tokyo Olympics. So like we went to Darwin with uh, six, seven different players than uh, at the Asian Games. Uh, we brought some youngsters from mainly 18 years, a few from 20 years. And uh, a few, two of them are now at the uh, Johubari Cup. Uh, they two will join us again in uh, in Oman, where we play the Asian Champions Trophy, and we will bring again, uh, compared to the Asian Games, uh, six new players. And we want to increase our group of players about till uh, 32. And from that group, we will pick the 18 for the Tokyo Olympics at the end. So we will create more competition, more players involved. That means that there is more competition. And we will try to play uh, a lot of matches against the higher-ranked teams so that we keep our playing experience, that we can adapt what's new in the world, and that we we are able to deal with all circumstances. And, of course... We will work out our strategy and uh, about what we want to do. Because at the Tokyo Olympics, our aim is just like the Asian Games, to make it to the semifinals, and from there we will see what will happen. It's not an easy one, and it's a dream. It's not that we bluff or we say, this is what we want to do. We'll do, but it's what we want to do. And I strongly believe that if you can dream it, you can do it. Ziggy, how important was the the victory in the Asian Games in in terms of being able to say to your team, you are now going to the Olympics, and, uh, you've qualified, you've, you deserve your place there, you're not just the host nation, and that um, mm-hmm. you know you are amongst that elite of the hockey world now. Yeah, well, that was our target for the Asian Games. We wanted to win because we wanted to qualify on our own. And uh, we want to deserve to be there and not because we are uh, the home country. And why? Because then you would be, hockey in Japan would be taken seriously. And that's important. As we are a developing country, uh, in Japan, most of the, uh, the attention and everything is based on the female who played many uh, Olympic uh, games. Yeah did well, do well at world championships, they are higher ranked. So it's logical that they have uh, more credits and a higher priority. We had to deserve that. And therefore we we really wanted to do well at the Asian Games because there we could show what we have learned, how we grew. And uh, if we would do well, then there was a, there is a possibility that we will get more support from the OC, we'll take, we can be taken more seriously by the media. So hockey would have the possibility to grow and it would give my players also a boost that they did it on their own. And fortunately we were able to do it because as I said before, we had a dream, but dreams not always come true. But at least you need to have the dream 
to achieve something. If you have no dream, you will never achieve something. What so for us, this was important. So I was just about to say, what, what we always want to see is that after success stories and gold medals being won is that there's some transfer through to the grassroots level. Do you see anything yeah. happening in Japan with, with a, a, a better interest or a bigger interest for people to get involved with the game? Uh, uh, well, what we see is that the media have discovered men's hockey. <laughs> And that means that my players, they were in interviews, they were in, in newspapers, they were uh, presented to our head sponsor, which was, has, wasn't done before, because it was all about the ladies, because they were potential winners from uh, tournaments, we were not. And now we are, so we are more take, taken more seriously, and through that... Uh, at the end, there will be a more positive effect. We can also see that when we come and we meet the, the hockey people, the hockey people in Japan are very proud and they are very happy with the success and that makes, it creates more energy. And the, that energy will at the end deliver results and will help hockey in Japan to grow and become more successful. I'm convinced about that, but it has to start somewhere. And our job is to market this very well. So we need to show ourselves in the country. We need to share what we have done. And that's why also one of the reasons why I do this interview. Because it's very interesting for us to be on uh, wire, to be uh, that people are talking about us. How do you go in Japan, Ziggy? I mean... Uh, I'm looking at your profile photo, and you're not you're not going to be able to hide in a crowd in Japan. I wouldn't imagine. Do you get much notice? <laughs> I can never hide wherever I come, but I'm not a hider. So, uh, well, I, I go well. I I enjoy my stay in Japan. I I love the country. I love the way people live here. And yes, I'm uh, I'm different than the others here. So. Uh, people see me, uh, they react, but Japanese are very modest, so they will never approach you. And in that case, there's also a lot of privacy. They allow you your privacy, so that's good. So I have a good time here. Siggy, just before we let you go, and this is something I find quite interesting is... Sorry, I'm being told to change the direction on the microphone. Um, excuse me. Just before we let you go, Siggy, um, I've read some interesting comments that you've made with regard to foreign coaches in Asian countries. Now, of course, you are a foreign yeah. coach in an Asian country. Could you share I'm some sure. of your, your thoughts on that with us, please? Yes, well, I think that coaches should be, that the main aim for coaches should be that they educate other coaches, that they make sure that the country, they, they, they when they leave, there should be a legacy. And the legacy should be that uh, the Asian countries will be able to do it themselves. But most of the Asian countries lack a coaching structure, so I think that we as foreign coaches have the duty to share our knowledge with everyone and to make sure that people are able, we have to enable them to do it themselves. So for instance, for me, I have two assistant coaches and my strong wish is, and that's also part of our deal, 
that after Tokyo Olympics they will be the next uh, head coaches of Japan and uh, that they develop, they learn how to do it, they can see what we do but not only see but also teach them the reasons why because uh, copying is not the best part but understanding why and how and when and where and those are the things which matters so the more they understand the better they can become and of course they are able to communicate much better with the local players so it benefits everything and uh, I think that that's one of the things we as foreign coaches have to do and to do that we have to spend lots of time in understanding the local culture and uh, always willing to learn about the local culture to make things happen if we don't have that we're never able to bridge what we want Oh that's fantastic Ziggy, look one more from me and on the reverse stick here we're on a a, a mission uh, to make a change to the game and we'd like to bring back the bully, I was just wondering if you had any thoughts on it (laughs) No, I don't want to bring back the bully (laughs) because I don't see the benefit of bringing back the bully Uh, on the other hand I have never thought about it and while saying this it might be interesting because it it's uh, again a, mo- a, a thing you can win. So the the game will start with something you win. I've been coaching floorball in uh, our uni hockey, uh-huh. and there they start with face-offs, and it's always uh, an exciting moment who will win and who will be able to get ball possession and to play. So. I can imagine that you would like to do it because it's an exciting moment and hockey needs exciting moments and that's for instance a reason that I would never ever change the penalty corner I would never allow anyone to uh, kill the penalty corner because it's one of the great moments we have in hockey when there's a penalty corner the whole stadium is quiet but because mm-hmm. something is going to happen and that's what sports is about. If there is a, in soccer a free hit on the top 16, around the top 16, everybody expects that something will happen. And they don't stop it. Of course not, because that's one of the unique selling points. And I think we should, as hockey, we should also create our unique selling points and be very proud of those. Well, I think we've just won you over to bring in back the bully, which is fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) And any other major change you want to make? Uh, Well, I would like uh, that uh, we play more on dangerous play and uh, have less rules so that it will be a more fluid game. Because still we we wrestle too much and it's uh, uh, difficult to understand. So the more we can play on, the better it will be. And dangerous play is for me very important because uh, hockey, uh, the ball you have a weapon in your hands with a stick and the ball is very hard. So if we can control the danger, then and for me the rest is play on. Fantastic. Interesting Ziggy. thoughts. It's been an absolute, Sorry? an absolute delight to have you join us on the show today, Ziggy. <laughs> we know that you've got to get back out onto the field, and uh, we yes. wish you and the Japanese boys every success, uh, particularly in Oman. Uh, so you, you're flying Thank out you. next week, uh, this weekend. 
yes, tomorrow. Fantastic. We wish you the best of luck and uh, we hope to speak Thank to you, you again. Okay. Cheers, Ziggy. Thank you. See you. Bye-bye. You are listening to The Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. And that was uh, Ziggy Eichmann from uh, Japan, national men's coach. Um, you know, fascina- fascinating story and route to being a, an international hockey coach, eh? Yeah, and, and a great little interview there. Some lovely insight to what's happening there in Japan and all, just hockey coaching in general. He's, uh, Ziggy's involved with the uh, coaches sharing knowledge on Facebook, isn't he? Is that the yep, group on that's Facebook? correct, yeah. It was fantastic, and we wish them well. And it is good to see that they did qualify for their own Olympics on their own merit. They're not just rolling up as a host nation. They'd be very happy with that. Absolutely. So where to now? Uh, should we deal with a couple of the issues in the week? Just quickly, because we haven't got much time. All right, I don't want to spend too much you. time on this. Of course, we've had the very first weekend of the uh, revamped Australian Hockey League. Well, no, the revamp's coming next year, isn't it, John? As, uh, as, it, as, as hockey out, it wasn't a bad time to be sick. <coughs> Wait. <coughs> You didn't miss anything online because none of the games were being streamed live. There's a highlights package that's oh. gone out on, on Monday. There's the man. So you had the cameras there for the whole game. Yeah, and you quali- didn't the quality's not, yeah, the quality's not that great though. Well, they're oh, saying that I did it on an iPhone for your game and people were happy. The other side <laughs> of it is they edited it. It would have cost more. Editing video, audio and video is not cheap. That would have cost them more money than it's to stream the game live. Yes, well, so, uh, look, I didn't get my eyes on any of the games live, obviously. They weren't being played in our state. They're, if you did get to those games, there's a Hockey Australia survey that's out there if you want to fill that out and let them know what you thought of the experience. And, of course, some of the rule changes. We spoke about some of the rule changes last week, including the pump play. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, the... Uh, <laughs> Uh, from Sexyland. So that, that's the last five minutes of the second quarter and the fourth quarter. Um, uh, goals counting double and teams reduced to nine players. Now goals counting double for um, the I'm team. Already. The team that wins the toss, so you can choose whether you want the first the first period or the second. Look, anyway, that was the pump play um, from the from, from the four. Siegfried Aikman, the bloody in talking about rules and. So, yeah, I mean, it's interesting to look at the goal scorers for the games because there's about eight columns that are at the top of the different ways that you can score goals because, of course, there's penalty strokes, there's power plays, there's power play conversions, there's field goals, there's field goal conversions, um, and there's one-on-ones um, as as well. Um, so that is the conversion, but there's one-on-ones at the end of the game. Um, they try to make up statistics for the game. That, that's just making up statistics that don't exist. Eight, ga- a load of rubbish. eight games, John, only three pump play goals scored within those eight games. Now, um, this, this is all about creating celebratory moments. How do you feel for the poor hockey punters up in the NT, the Northern Territory oh, in Darwin? Mate. Well, they saw plenty of celebratory moments, but not for them, but for the Victorians. Um, uh, in the women's side, Victoria beat them 13-0. That was eight field goals, three field goal conversions, and uh, what's that one? Two penalty corners. Um, so, in real terms, that would have been a 10-0 drubbing, but it's 13 points to nil um, under this system. And on the men's side, it was a 12-4 win. Uh, in real terms, that's 9-3. So it's uh, see, yeah, three, three field goal conversions, three corners and six field goals. There was no corresponding game from last year. But when we look at the other games... On that, on the same day, this was on the Sunday, and the women's side, uh, South Australia beat Western Australia 3-2. Now that was by virtue of a power play goal, 
um, and a field goal conversion and WA scored two field goals but didn't convert so in real terms the WA girls would have won 2-1 without playing around with anything uh, the corresponding fixture last year was a 4-1 win for WA and on the men's side it was in reverse uh, South Australia uh, scored three and points and WA five um, WA had a field goal a field goal conversion a power play goal and a power play goal conversion so uh, that was a 5-3 win rather than in traditional scoring that would have been a 2-2 draw Whew. Now on the on the other day's play, things kind of went to script. New South Wales women beat Queensland five three, um, and the old style scoring that would have been a three two win. Twenty seventeen was two nil. On the men, New South Wales lost four six to Queen, Queensland. Uh, old style scoring that would have been a four three win to Queensland, and last year was a four two win for Queensland. Nothing's changed there. Um, Tasmania had a three nil loss in the women's against the ACT. Uh, Old style scoring, it would be a 2 0, and last year it was a 1 0. And on the men's side, Tasmania beat ACT 5 1. Old style scoring 3 1, and 2017 3 1. So, not a lot has changed. What's clear is there's the power play goal, the, sorry, the pump play isn't delivering any more goals. And in fact, I spoke to somebody who was involved at the, and um, playing at the weekend, and they said they didn't like it. All it did was slow the game down. The, everybody, that's it. Everybody sat back, and the goal-scoring opportunities actually disappeared. So, you know, thumbs down on that yeah, one. Although, that although that was going to happen. Although they were quite upbeat about the conversions. So, I mean, I'm thinking maybe if you throw enough crazy things at something, then the one thing that you actually wanted to happen out of the the trials does happen. I think we should also realise that this AHL is going on in the context of. With all these changes, the national coach obviously thinks it's so worthwhile he's dragged the national players away for a two-week training camp right in the middle of the AHL, which completely destroys the primacy of the, the contest. Now, this isn't on the women's side, but this is the men's, the men's side. side. So all of the Kookaburra squad are out of their yeah. state sides yeah. for the next two rounds, so the next yeah. two weekends, and then, then we're into finals. So in the case of New South Wales, they're missing eight players this weekend that played last weekend. So, um, but add to that, John, do you realise there's a Youth Olympic Games and a Sultan of Johor Cup oh, going yeah. on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, the so best got... players, male players in this country, are not available to play. How do you feel about that if you bought your ticket a month ago? Well, if if uh, sport is a business, as these people who are in charge of these things keep telling us, then I want my money back because it's not fit for purpose. The purpose of uh, this tournament is to prepare players to go to play in the Australian squad, and it's obviously not fit for purpose because the Australian coach has taken the players out of it. Well, this is, of course, the very last AHL that will be happening. Next year will be Hockey 1, um, in whatever format oh. that comes about. Now, <sighs> Hockey 1, what can you tell me about Hockey 1, John? What I can tell you, you want to know something about Hockey 1? Well, tell I me. had a, I had... Um, during the week, a very interesting uh, announcement sent to me, uh, announcing uh, another sport, Australian sport, that was getting into a partnership with the Australian Sports Commission, in, in, because that's what this is, Hockey One. Uh, it's called Golf One. Now, obviously, the Australian Sports Commission has spent a lot of money coming up with that concept, because it's an absolute ripper, as we discussed last week. Hockey One, Golf One. Everything won, apparently. Well, I don't know what won means. I, well, I suggested, I think, you know, obviously, Youth Olympics is looking at slimming the size of squads going to the main Olympics, potentially. Um, congratulations to Senegal for getting the 2022 Youth Olympics. Um, and the ultimate goal is to reduce hockey to being a single-player sport. 
So you turn up and represent yourself and you're either a striker or you're a goalkeeper. The only way you play the game is in a one-on-one. And maybe two, two, yeah, two players in the team. It's a, a, yeah, goalkeeper, a goalkeeper and a striker. striker. Yeah, that's yeah. it. And it's that's just a series of one-on-one. Yeah. And they represent a uh, town or city somewhere across yeah. the country. Uh, and that's, that's, uh, that's where it's going. Because it's come to my attention this week where I've been told that, um, there's a bit of, bit going on behind the scenes involving the Australian Sports Commission. They're, they're the mob that's, um, in charge of doling out all the government money to sports here in Australia. Mm-hmm. And it's about 300, I think, uh, last budget or the budget before, $324 million thereabouts. It's about 300 million a year. Well, the government's told the Australian Sports Commission, you're going to have to shave that. And, uh, the man in charge of the Australian Sports Commission, John Wiley, he's mates with Matt Fabia, work together. Um, Matt Fabia is CEO for yeah, well, Hockey Australia. That's, that's where the hockey one's coming from. Um, I'm led to believe that it was a advertising agency engaged by the Australian Sports Commission that came up with Hockey One and all of these sorts of wonderful things. Stand to be corrected there. If someone wants to let me know that that's. Oh, I not heard it was being driven out of Hockey Victoria, but there may be. Well, maybe not. it's funny you say that because I'm hearing that part of Hockey One will be centralising all administration in Melbourne, which you can guarantee will mean taking the um, high performance. Everything is going to Melbourne. And uh, the state's going to be left with nothing. There will be no representation at the state level. I'm not sure what that has to do with funding, and it will hit us here in WA because all of that rent that the Hockey Australia will be playing at the, uh, the Perth Stadium yeah. for their offices, etc., that will go. So how Hockey WA is going to cope with the Hockey Stadium and what deal they're going to do with Curtin University, and I imagine that Hockey Australia is going to have to be involved with that as well. Um, I'm not sure how that's going to work out, but they will be closing their state offices. Um, it's interesting because there is history there with um, Hockey Australia and the Australian Sports Commission and the, uh, the Australian Olympic Committee as well with uh, John Coates and the the, um, <laughs> the recent efforts to unseat him from his position at the in, by Hockey Australia yep. in, at the Australian Olympic Committee. Well, a, a, um, a ticket supported by Hockey Australia. They're, they're, <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's a bit going on there. Um, I just think it's an absolute joke that the Australian Sports Commission would be telling our sport what to do. I mean, they dole out the money. That's what you do. You get a big cheque from the government and then you give it out to other sports. And the Australian Sports Commission runs their funding model on results. So they're always telling Australian hockey that unless you perform to a certain level, you're not getting what you thought. And it's all about where your performances are at Olympic and World Cup level. That's where your funding comes from. So why the hell they would want to come in here and tell us how to run our domestic competition, all they're worried about is what our results are at the Olympic Games. So they can keep their nose out of our trough. Yeah, mate, this is where celebratory moments and the commercialisation of the sport come from. Exactly. And it wasn't a report that was written, it was suggestions. It was, And in fact, the Australian Sports Commission still deny that they made any suggestions about doing anything regarding the rules of hockey and in fact wanted this sport to be kept at 11 aside. That's what I'm hearing out of the Australian Sports Commission. The person, there's a guy there that says there's no report from them telling Hockey Australia to do anything. Now whether or not that, that's true or whether it's just something that's going on at the top end between old mates and they're organising something, I don't know. Is it a power grab? We will see over well, the coming it, weeks. It's interesting that um, Hockey Australia seems to have no problem at all retweeting anything that Hockey Victoria puts out. But you don't see very much being retweeted by Hockey Australia that comes from any of the other associations. New South Wales gets a bit and so does Queensland. But did Hockey Australia ever retweet the stuff about Hockey South Australia live streaming? 
Uh, they didn't put it on Twitter, to be fair. It was on, only on Facebook. Oh, but, but they, didn't, they, they, they didn't repost it? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, we think we think things are going in a particular direction. Be interested to know if you know otherwise and you want to get in touch and let us know. Of course, you can drop us an email, matt at net or john at net. Unless, of course, you're quite happy just because you're playing hockey. Well, you know. It's just hockey, John. It doesn't matter if it's two two aside or twenty five aside, as long it's as you're playing hockey. hockey. Yeah. Got that moan out, go on mate. Okay, well let's just uh, very briefly head uh Pakistan way. Now a couple of shows back we uh, we delved into a lot of the press reports that had come out of Pakistan and in particular some of the financial issues there. Um, we then picked up early on in the week, uh, which seemed to be picked up elsewhere towards the end of the week, that uh, the deal in Scotland was off. Well, the writing was on the wall, wasn't it? Um, but it all seems to come down to um, to funds in, in Pakistan. There's a, um, a fair few uh, issues going on there, and the most recent AGM they had confirmed all of that. Um, you know, they're struggling for cash. They've asked members of the August House to make efforts and help PHF financially, particularly the affluent person like Mr. Kawar Anwar Kawaja. Um, bit unfair to name him saying, can we have some cash off you, mate? <laughs> um, but yeah, there's obviously, um, some problems there. Uh, the president briefed the house on the Hockey Pro League and apprised that Pakistan was to play its home match in Scotland, but could not enter in an agreement with Scottish Hockey Union since the organisational costs cited by the Scotland were too high, which we could ill afford. Now, they can ill afford that, John. Um, uh, FIH seem to be doing their best to get international hockey happening in Pakistan. Do you think they had a bit of an inkling uh, before the announcements over the past week? Who, the FIH? The FIH? No. No? Um, do you think there might be any chance that Pakistan hockey could be playing in a hockey series open in Lahore in December? Uh, I do. And do you because think... Because they won't be qualifying for the Olympics through the pro league. Well, this is it. This is the big question, isn't it? Are they going to be hockey series open uh, candidates, or will they be play- taking their part, their place in the pro league? And if they're not taking their place in the pro league, who's going to step into that slot? India, oh. Malaysia, Ireland. It's going to be one of the three, isn't it? We're looking close to that now. Would India step step down on that? Does it reduce their opportunity for qualifying uh, for the Olympics by taking that route? Some say yes if they were to go into the Pro League and they're better off staying where they are but is the lure of the cash from Star Sports too too much to uh, not have them in there? Oh no I, I don't think it's uh, it's going to matter because India will always magically find itself on the uh, FIH list of oh, well, of invited countries However, Seems to be the way doesn't it? There, there will be a place that comes available through the FIH's ability to nominate teams when Places are taken, like in the case of Japan. Um, Malaysia apparently still pushing to bring that up at the Congress and um, coming up in Dubai. Well, you see, now that place is gone, it's still the FIH has the power to appoint someone to that place because Japan's going. So they, they, India, Malaysia can, will argue that they can be that team. They don't have to argue that they should go because they finished second and Japan had qualified. They can argue that that place that becomes available should go to them yeah. on, on other merits, whatever it is. And India will do the same thing, no doubt. They will be... Let's face it. How's it gone for India in the last, say, oh, two years when it comes to having uh, their rankings work in their favour? Yeah. 
and then and then they have and then they have to play against Malaysia again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, we're going to watch on with interest with this one in Pakistan. I wouldn't mind betting we could we hear something within the next two to three weeks with uh, regard to participation in Pro League. I can't see how it's going to happen. I can't see how it's going to be funded. And do we find ourselves in a situation where they're playing their home games in Dubai, much like um, the cricket? Speaking of Pro League, hmm? kicked off in England. That's an amazing response. To oh yeah, sales and all that. That's fantastic for the sport to see that much interest generated. So those that don't know the, I think the final weekend of the, By the, the way, games. I don't like the Premier League, but I'm still the, saying that. The final, I must be sick. The final round of games in England for the for the GB side will be played at the Harlequins Rugby Ground, and they're bringing in a drop-in pitch for it. So they're 15,000 capacity stadium, yep. and ticket sales are going gangbusters. So brilliant, and the marketing's been great. Uh, it seems to be the way they're going about it. Great. What do you think? Drop-in pitch, John. This could be revolutionary. Oh, we've seen it was Africa with the indoor pitch. We talked to it about with Tyrone Barnard. Yeah. Look, if you, if you go, if you need to take the, do that, take that step, do it. And well, look at the opportunities of where you could then house games. So they did a thing with World Squash, the World Squash yeah, League, yeah. and put the the perspex boxes in landmark locations That's and right, played yeah. played the games there. Didn't it? You know, where, where could we see hockey being played next, John? All over the shop. It already is. Um, but getting back, getting back to the pro league, for all the great work that's happening in England, obviously with the pro league going ahead, and um, for everything bad that's going on in Pakistan that we don't have answers to, there's something else that's really annoying me about the pro league, and that's the fact that we've got no sponsors here yet in Australia for the pro league. Um, all of the nations were given the list. The no no approach list at the pro league meeting in right, July yeah, in yeah. London. So everybody yeah, don't go and do a TV deal because the TV deal's been done with Toshiba. Or, if yeah. you're in this area, you can't use that car company or whatever you can't yeah. do. So they've all had that, and still there is no sponsor signed up here in Australia for the pro league. No sponsors at all. No, which is why they've got to rationalise, mate. It's why they've got to rationalise. Well, <laughs> you can't get it in at one end. You've got to cut cut at the other end. And, and that's why if Australian hockey doesn't make the move to get off the government teat, they're killing themselves because that's the re- you know that's the reason why. Yes, it is indeed. Right. It's well, Look, let's that that that's appalling. We've we've got how have you heard of the pro league in this country? No, no, no. You don't because Hockey Australia thinks Twitter is their marketing tool. Yes. And and let. And, Bear in mind, unless you're on Hockey Australia, follow Hockey Australia, you're not going to see it. Oh, look, the poor people in charge of the media accounts did take a bit of a bashing over the weekend, particularly um, from some of our listeners. Um, we were rather scathing on their social feeds with regard to what was being done to the game. I'll put that in inverted commas. And look, it's nothing personal with the guys that are running those those social media accounts there. But the, the question that keeps coming around with all of these things that are happening is why? Why, why, why? It's all well and good saying, well, this is going really well. Look, they had some good crowds in Tasmania. They had some, you know, two or three thousand there. The same for, for Sydney, about two thousand there by the time the men's game was played later on. Um, it's great that there's some, something happening. But why are we changing? Why, why, why? Well, I, I did pose the question about crowds on, uh, there was a, a story posted from the Hobart Mercury saying how wonderful it had been and I wondered what the attendances were and, Matt Favier did come back, replied, and said uh, he would have those figures the next day. That was Monday. 
Oh, look, I didn't see anything released on, on the numbers. I did see on the initial thing that it was a, a healthy crowd in Tasmania, and then I think in the actual report oh, so in the paper well it said 3,000. Yeah. They were all well. Oh, that's good. All seven of them were in fighting fit. I'm sure the event activation and the food trucks were superb, mate. It gave them a, a hearty feed. Um, John, let's move on from the doom and gloom. We've got an interview coming up now with the second of our TRS World 11 members to, to bring to you on the show. It's the rock at the back. It's Sugar Britches. Joining us from the United States of America, Lindsay Cooney, a.k.a. Sugar Britches. Sugar Britches, welcome <laughs> to the show. Thank you kindly. It's lovely to have you on, and it's been great to sort of uh, feature our second TRS World 11 uh, in consecutive weeks, member in consecutive weeks. Um, First off, I guess, Looney. Uh, Looney? <laughs> you know why I just called you that? It's because Keely Dunn's been telling me things about you. <laughs> Lindsay, um, could you just yes. tell us why you decided to apply for the TRS World 11? Um, yes, I absolutely can. Um, as, as I told you guys, Keely is one of my good friends who I even drag out to play in America occasionally. And um, she peer pressured me when I had been drinking. So I did what she said. <laughs> of course, that's Keely Dunn, FH umpires. Yes. And has she umpired many of your games? She has never umpired one of my games, but she has played in them. So when I when I drag her out to America, it's to play with us, which is fabulous. Now, all right, just let's into a little secret then. Is she any good? She is, but she wouldn't tell you that. She's actually really great on defense, and she's great because obviously she has a little bit of field vision. And so, like, you'll be playing with her, and she'll tell someone, like, hey, if you do this minor adjustment, and then it's like, oh, that was helpful. Thank you, Keely. Um, and she introduced us to Dick of the Day, which is not a thing in America. So <laughs> we love her for a lot of things. Uh, Fantastic. Uh, enough, enough about, oh, oh go one on, John's got a question. How does, she, how does she cope with having a free hit blown against her? Oh man, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> I just <laughs> I recommend against. <laughs> okay, we're done with Keely. <laughs> On to you, Lindsay. Um, so yes. you're a goalkeeper. You're going to be there shoring up the back line for the TRS World Eleven. Uh, can Absolutely. we just start off with a bit of your hockey history and how you got into the game originally? Sure, absolutely. So um, I actually, um, like most American children, started out playing soccer because field hockey isn't a huge sport, especially for kids. Um, so I played soccer goalie. And then as probably every goalie in the world can tell you, like once you play goalie in one sport, you're just, that's it. You, every time you show up for a new sport, you're the goalie. And um, so I started playing in what is junior high in America, which is grade seven and eight. Um, which was very young um, for California at the time. Now it's pretty standard. And um, my dad had actually played field hockey in New York, which is also very weird in America um, because it's a very international community. You know, he lived in New York City, and so he had played. So he was like, there's a field hockey team. You're going to play. And then I showed up, and they were like, you're the goalie. So um, I played in junior high, and I played in high school, and um, I did what um, America calls the Futures Program, which is sort of like the regional development, um, you know, to, to like identify talent early on, um, which they didn't actually think I had a lot of, which is, you know, really upsetting. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and um, but you had a helmet. I played, yeah, yeah. Um, it turns out they didn't think I took it seriously, which is very fair. Um, and then, uh, I played in college and, um, then in, I played in, in grad school. I played on a club team 
and now I sort of play all over the place. I'm, I'm quite old. I'm 37, and as you know, goalies age in dog years, but um, people are still happy to have me play with them, so I do. <laughs> <laughs> so you're playing for a current club at the moment. Who, who are they, and tell us a bit about them. Sure. It's my club. Um, it's called Oh Yeah Field Hockey, and um, we have the Kool-Aid Man on our jersey, because, like I said, I, I refuse to take things seriously. Uh, yeah. You guys have Kool-Aid in Australia? Yeah, sim similar. Similar. We yeah. call it cordial. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My nephews drink too much of that. I have uh, Australian nephews. Um, oh. But, yeah, so it, it's a big, ugly logo that's like an American corporate um, ad, and people think it's hilarious, and everywhere we go, everyone cheers for us because our team name is Oh Yeah, so people like to yell it. Um, but basically clubs don't exist in the same structure that they do, uh, in Australia and in, um, Europe. And so we're just a group of girls, uh, most of whom played in college, grew up playing. And we play at, um, Moorpark College, which is where they have Cal Cup, which sometimes there's teams from Australia or Europe or South America. So people may have heard of it or may not have. Um, but it's on an actual AstroTurf, which is very rare in California. And um, we have two seasons. Um, the fall, which we're in right now, is five on five with the boards, and I love it. And the spring is 11 on 11. So the five on five with the boards, that's outdoors or indoors? It's outdoors. Outdoors. Okay. Yeah. Boards all the way around, so um, like even on the end line. And you're predominantly playing on grass as well, Lindsay? No, I, I haven't. I, I almost never play on grass. I grew up playing on grass, but this is, this is AstroTurf. We only play on AstroTurf. So we're like the snobs that, you know, when people are like, Oh, do you want to come to this tournament? And I'm like, well, what's the, what's the surface? No, I don't, I don't want to. Um, <laughs> now with those, with those two seasons, are they a structured league season? Is it for points and trophies and that sort of thing? Absolutely. Yes. They are structured league seasons. My team has won, I think, five out of the last six on the wow. women's D1. And I usually come in first or second for the, we play co-ed as well. Um, they won't let me play in the men's D1 because it's only for men. Um, and that is actually a lot of guys that are um, on like the junior national team or um, used to be on the national team or sometimes the guys that are on the national team when they're in town because a lot of them come from there. It's, it's one of the only pockets that men grow up playing in the U.S. Now your team's based in the town of Oh Yeah in California, is that right? <laughs> No, no. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> so what's what's the history with the name? Uh, just like we thought it would be obnoxious. Like I was in a car with my friend who kind of the two of us run the team together and we had been driving um, for too long and things that weren't funny were funny. And um, we were talking about the Kool-Aid guy and how we wanted him on our jersey and the only way to do that would be to call the team Oh Yeah and that and then we did it thinking no one would think it was funny like it would just be the two of us laughing and everyone thinking we're idiots um, but people love it so. it's funny that's like <laughs> us on this show <laughs> right you understand where I'm coming from yeah. You're like no one will think this is funny oh, okay you do too okay that's great that's <laughs> unexpected I've, I've seen on, on Instagram uh, a lot of shots of you at various tournaments around and about is that a good healthy vibrant scene in the States yeah, yeah, and definitely in, in California, you know, we have a lot of, we go around, um, you know, there's a couple of big ones, there's a couple of little ones, uh, we kind of, we'll do anything, we'll play anywhere, um, the best ones I think are put on actually by Indian expats, um, because they have wonderful parties and, and curry at the field, yeah, best food. you know, I'm a, 
Yeah, I'm always down to have something that is really hard to digest between multiple games. Yeah, especially steaming hot. <laughs> yeah, but I, and then like let's put on the goalie gear and and sweat it all out. So <laughs> we I I played at a Diwali tournament. I don't know if they they, they would celebrate it there as well. The Diwali thing, and it was a 42 degree day. And, oh, good uh, Lord. and they served up curry at lunch. <laughs> and yes. It's no surprise <laughs> the Indian team won that particular tournament. <laughs> <laughs> they kill it, man. <laughs> but yeah, we have similar similar temperatures in the summer here, which is why we don't have a summer league. But there will be like a weekend tournament where it's you know in the 40s, and you're like, well, this I might be dead. I'm I'm not <laughs> actually sure if I through this day. Now, on your application, we asked the question, Lindsay, what's the, your most yes. embarrassing moment on the hockey field? To which you responded, I have lost the ability to, to feel embarrassed. Now, yes. surely that means there might be a few stories in there. Happy to take them from your, your team <laughs> or clubmates as well. So, come on, you've got to share something with us. Oh, I mean, I just, like, to be honest with you, like, I'm, you know, there's things I probably shouldn't say on a podcast, but, like, I will do anything. Like, I've been in the hospital enough times that, like... <laughs> yeah. You know, like, you have no dignity anymore, like, due to various injuries or, like, whatever. So, like, if, if something embarrassing happens, like, I'm like, yeah, that I did that. That's fine. Um, like, it doesn't, like, my team is also, my club, we're the very hungover, like, very, like, people are, like, running off the field to puke and then running back on and playing. And, like, we're that group. So, like, I, you know, aside from, like, miss, like whiffing, or, you know, like, that's embarrassing from, like, a skill sense, you know? Like, you, you, you missed an easy shot or whatever. Oh, we but, like. <laughs> windy? Yeah. A swing and a miss. A swing and a miss is a windy. Yeah, yeah, but like as a goalie, right? Like if someone like if someone takes a crap shot and then like you you thought it was going to be good, so you like did something good, and, but like it it bloopers over your stick or whatever, and you're yeah. like, oh, like the, uh, okay, yeah. so everyone saw that, but like that my entire team, if I did that, would yell, everyone saw that because that's who we are. Ever managed to um, vomit in your own helmet? Oh, no, I'm really good at not vomiting. It's like a skill of mine. <laughs> but I congratulations. My partner, my goalie partner in college, uh, projectile vomited through her helmet, um, <laughs> which I responded to by laughing until I cried. <laughs> it was the grossest thing I've ever seen. It was so good. <laughs> now that's a pretty great moment but how about you take us through your greatest moment on the hockey field Sugar Bridges I will I should also admit to you that no one has ever called me Sugar Bridges they before will now. like I said I was pretty when I filled that out but I am comfortable with it um, so uh, I know you guys already totally made fun of me for this which is fine but um, <laughs> so the greatest um, there's this this woman Tracy Fuchs who was on the U.S. national team when I was a kid, right? Like, she was, like, the beast of American field hockey, and she was, like, everyone's hero, and um, everyone knew who she was. And so I was playing in a tournament against her, and she's much older than me, and she's still really good, but, like, obviously, like, not in hockey shape anymore. And she had two strokes against me, and I stopped both of them, but it was, like, stopping your childhood hero strokes, yeah. even though they weren't good. It was still like, yeah! <laughs> you know? You, you felt like letting them in. I I got no man. I stopped them and I was all yeah. What's up? And everyone's all that was Tracy Fuse. I'm like I know, dude. So real dumb, but that was it. I mean, I've I've won more important games or like whatever, but like I'm not gonna lie to you guys. 
<laughs> what's a what's a career highlight then? What's what 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 was the pinnacle? I mean, we might not have reached it yet, but so far, what has been the pinnacle of your yeah, hockey career? I'm, I'm still working on it. Um, shoot, man, I don't know. I mean, you win a couple tournaments, like you win a couple leagues. Those are all awesome. Um, I was like, you know, I, I played D three in college, so I was all American, which sounds like a big deal, but I don't I don't know. Um, you know. I, like, I get trophies, and I'm like, okay. Uh, I mean, I like to pose with them for Instagram because I think it's funny, but... <laughs> I think you walked away with three uh, three trophies two or three weeks ago, didn't you? I did, yeah. I got um, uh, second place for uh, co- uh, social competitive, so like a mixed division. I got first place for the women's, and I got MVP for the women's, which I'm not sure I deserved, but, like, you know, I'll take it. <laughs> yes, but to be honest, it's a little bit too impressive for the TRS World Eleven. We we might have to look at your I membership. Didn't <laughs> to be honest with you, we only won the championship game out of spite because we were so annoyed with the other team. Like they had already beat us earlier the day before, and we were like, "I don't want to play this game. I'm tired. Everyone's feet hurt. It was hot, and we everyone played in a couple of divisions, so it was like game eleven in two days." <laughs> and um, what? We tried to get them to to move it to an earlier time because we all wanted to start drinking. <laughs> and uh, well, it, this is true. And their coach had to go home because his kid something or other. And we were like, "How dare you have a coach? Like, we want to start drinking. We hate you guys." And I was like, "All right, we just have to win this game out of spite." And everyone was like, "Fine." And then we won it. So, <laughs> so there's a, a bit of a competitive edge sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You were, like, cranky. It made us competitive, but, yeah. <laughs> you needed to get that carbo lard, lo- loading happening a bit a bit earlier. Forget <laughs> yeah, yeah. the cool We all ate, like, candy. We ate, we ate candy and then played and then drank beer as soon as the game was over, so we felt a lot better after that. Lindsay, but, you know, like, you know those weekends. Lindsay, did you Every have weekend. any idea what was in store for you when you rolled up to that first game of hockey and they said, here, put the pads on? Did you have Not any- a clue. Not a <laughs> dude. I started playing in canes, like you know those. Yeah, um, yep. yeah, me too. Like leather canes. So, um, no, no, I, on grass, on like a poorly mowed grass field with um, like uh, goals made out of PVC pipe. So I had no idea what I was doing with my life. <laughs> <laughs> I am just fascinated. Just to go back to say, your dad was playing in New York. What would that have been? Yeah, uh, mid eighties. Oh no no no! My dad was playing in. I was uh, I was born in eighty one. My dad was playing in New York in like the late sixties and early seventies. So what would that? Do you know what that sort of looked like then? What? How many men's teams would have been involved playing? Um, I don't know. He's told me stories about it, and it seemed like there was like a team of Indian guys, and there was a team of. Um, like British guys and maybe Aussies, I'm not totally certain, but he said it was, you know, like every sort of, I think it was in Rye, New York, um, where there's still men's hockey. And, um, he said that him and a bunch of his guy friends, like he was very, you know, grew up playing football and baseball and whatever. And they were like, okay, let's play this sport because it's here. And, um, they thought like, okay, we play against these guys and they played, uh, you know, he said they were, they were cheap and they didn't know what they were doing and they didn't know the rules, but they like did okay. Cause it was like them against older men. And they like, I think they went to a U.S. team tryout once being like, we're just going to kill this. And then like a bunch of guys showed up that knew how to play and they're like, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I, I mean, you, you mentioned it before. It is an international city, New York. There's a lot of Indian, Pakistani expats and, 
I, I know they play cricket there. There's a big, uh, there's a park somewhere in New York where they, they fill it out every weekend with people playing cricket, all the, the expats. So I imagine that hockey would be in a similar position to cricket. Yeah, I, I don't, so I've never lived in New York. I've mostly lived in California my whole life, which is also pretty international, you know, in terms of pockets of people in the United States. Um, but I, I, I do know that there is men's hockey in Rye. You know, there's a, there's a U.S. or there's a U.S. um, club championship every year, which my club has actually been invited to for the, you have to win your local league. So we've been invited, um, the last two or three years, uh, but we've never gone because we're lazy. Um, and there's, <laughs> It's just, it, it's true. Because <laughs> it's on the East Coast and we can go to like six local tournaments for the same fee as, you know, flying across the country. Um, and so, uh, yeah, there's, there's definitely men from Rye that I think do really well every year. There's like, uh, Rye, New York, there's, there's California, there's, um, Washington DC has a, has a men's team. I know there's a few more, but those are the ones I think that do really well every year. Lindsay, uh, I, I can understand the, the link to hockey on the east coast of America, but how does it fit in on, on the west coast in California? How did the game sort of transfer to there? I, you know, that's a good question. I'm not totally sure. Um, like, when I was in high school, um, it was not a very popular sport. Like, it was popular at my school, but, um, like, the schools that we played, you know, compared to, like, um, I also played, like, water polo, and there was, like, 20 times more water polo teams than wow. field hockey. Um, and now it's a much bigger sport. It's in more high school. So it, it's growing. Um, but I just think, you know, people in the same way, like when I grew up um, or when I was in high school, my coach was from Ireland. Um, and some of the futures coaches were from different places in Europe. And so, you know, on the coast, there's a lot more immigration. And so, you know, you have people that come over and, and want to get a piece of their old community. And so, um, you know, like one of the, one of the girls on, on my team right now, uh, grew up and she has 11 siblings or she's one of 11 and seven of them were on either the men's or women's <laughs> Mexican national team. Um, so, so, which is awesome, right? Because then she takes us to Mexico and we go play against um, all the clubs in Mexico and their national team, which is really fun, right? Hey, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, uh, yeah, if you guys ever want to play in Mexico or anyone listening wants to play in Mexico, like, I give me a call or shoot me an email or whatever because it's really fun and it's really cheap and they're so nice when you're down there and they're very exciting or they're very excited uh whenever we go down people always ask for our autographs and we're like no 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 like, we're an american team we're not the american team. oh we're like, off Lindsay. matt and i there. trs world 11 sounds yeah, like a perfect it. first assignment you would have a great time or like I, I it's it's really fabulous and it's really um mexico is not um you're not going to spend a lot of money once you're there um do they have so. a, a thriving hockey community in mexico you know they do um it's it's very young i don't think people play for a long time like a lot of the you know like we know girls that have been on and off of their national team and we know um you know girl they have um 
they have states in Mexico, right? Like, yeah. uh, I don't know how much everyone knows about Mexico, but they have states. And so the state teams play each other. And once you make your state team, you become sort of on the radar for their national team. Um, and I, we're, we're friends with the Baja state team. That's the closest state to California. And we also have friends on Sonora and, um, the Yucatan and, uh, Guanajuato and a few other, um, places and so they, you know, they'll tell us when there's a fun tournament. And we've been to a couple in different states and, um, you know, it's, it's, it, they're, they get pretty into it. There's crowds and stuff like the one that we go to very often. The, the state, um, like, I guess color guard will come in and like present the flag and they'll have like oh, a marching wow. band come in and they have announcers and it's, it's really, it's a really fun time. Uh, we don't do that in America. Like, <laughs> Yeah. No, one, no one cares when we play. So, yeah, it's, it's, there's certain things come with culture, don't they? And I guess the the longer your sport's been around, it, it certainly there's things that we do here in Australia, like a lineup before the game, and you shake hands with the opposition, and you say three cheers. Yeah. Um, there's lots of things we just take for granted down here that just don't happen elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we don't do that in America. But again, like I play in a uh, pretty relaxed adult league. In college, you line up and you shake hands before you play, uh-huh. um, and they play the national anthem, and um, and and then you play the game. Um, but that's you know that's not how you know the difference between serious serious leagues and <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know. Well, I don't uh, know. Over fifties masters down here gets pretty serious. Very serious. Like sheep stations. Very serious. I will, one time, I do go to Australia sometime, one time I'll bring my, my kid over and, and uh, find a game. <laughs> You'll always get a game with us, always yeah, get a game. Yeah, hockey game club will be happy to have you. Now, Lindsay, what's, that would be where, amazing. where are we at, at with Oh Yeah at the moment? You in season, you off season, what's, uh, what's happening We're in now? season, um, we're currently in second place in our league. There's another team that we always kind of trade off and on, first place and second place. We just usually get lucky in the championship. Um, for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, so we, uh, and actually the last, I think, three years have come to challenges. Um, so, uh, I'm supported by really good shooters. But yeah, right now, uh, we're in second place and my co-ed team is also, I think, in second place in our, in the middle of our season right now. Before we let you go, Lindsay, we've just got to ask the question. What do you think about bring back the bully? (laughs) <laughs> I love when people bully. <laughs> I, <laughs> don't you love it? Don't you just want to be like, yes, call a bully? And then like, there's always some like, you know, 16 year old that's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and you're like, hush, fetus. Like, just watch the grown up. <laughs> well, the theory is is that that it gets brought back in to start the first and the second half again. So we we actually have a proper competitive bully. I like it. I like it. No, but you've seen, like, every once in a while, some ref doesn't know what to do and they call a bully and you're like, this is awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. You should have to drink every time it happens. God, it's skull. Lindsay, how do you support your hockey habit? Oh, God, I have the boringest job in the world. I, um, I am a computer software consultant for, for medium-sized businesses. Okay. You're probably already sleeping. I know. No, no, I know. No. <laughs> it's, it's incredibly boring and it pays really well. So you know, I sold out. As it turns out, we need one of those. <laughs> oh well, 
<laughs> I'm I here for you. Them. We actually, it's sold in Australia as well, but I don't think you, <laughs> I don't think you want what I've got. <laughs> <laughs> I struggle with Facebook. Oh man, I mean, I'm here to help if you ever need help. It really is my day job, and uh, I, I actually, 70% of the time I get to do it in my living room, uh, hanging out on the couch with my dog, so it's not all bad. Oh, that's good. Beautiful. Now, Lindsay, we're going to let you let you go. I'm going to apologise first and foremost for calling you Looney at the stop of, at the, top of the interview. Um, Lindsay Cooney. Yeah, thanks, thanks so much for your time. We're glad, we're glad. We're glad that Keely uh, strong-armed you into uh, signing up, and your goodie pack is on the way yeah. very soon. Oh, thank you so much. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. You are listening to the Reverse Stick, the global hockey podcast. Uh, that Do was Looney. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Sugar Bridges from the TRS World Eleven, and thank you to uh, Bridges. Cooney the Looney. Eh? Cooney the Looney. Yep, um, lovely to have her in the side. Fantastic. You know, next few weeks until we've gone through the whole team, we're going to be bringing you a TRS World Eleven interviewee. Yes. Um, I, I, she's going to have a, a, a unique, um, a unique method of saving penalty strokes. That kind of thing. So bring. I wouldn't be standing within a certain <laughs> meter. What? Just no, no. She said she's never thrown up through a helmet before. Oh, it was no. a teammate. Um, that is the worst. The br- br- bring back the bully was brought up there, though, John. Now I don't know if you know, but uh, you can actually purchase for a very limited time. And I reckon you know about seven days from this show going out. A very limited edition Bring Back the Bully t-shirt. So you can find Doesn't that. Does it have them in Keeley's size? Uh, and there's even a pink one there, mate. Oh, so brilliant. there's one for girls as well. We'll buy her one, shall we? John's going to buy you one, Keeley. Uh, she said they looked rather outdated, similar to the term or something like that um, on there. You know, or suitably retro, I think. Oh, they, uh, they fit us nicely, being outdated. <laughs> Uh, but yes, you can find those online. You can get onto our Facebook and onto our Twitter. There's links there, but you can go direct to the site. It's merch, T, M-E-R-C-H-T, forward slash C, forward slash the reverse stick. Um, go there. It's on for another seven days. They're very, very reasonably priced. We're not making any money out of them. Um, but, you know, if you're behind the podcast and you're behind Bring Back the Bully, the campaign, then... Uh, <laughs> Get on board and uh, get a shit. Look, we actually need to sell three more, John, so we can fulfil the amount to uh, to get every, all the others printed. Um, yeah, so just three more if you're listening. They're about £15 or something like that, and they actually get cheaper when you order them for overseas. Um, I don't know how that works. I don't either, but that's what it cost me anyway. Um, I have to get Siggy one now. So get on that. Well, he's not. I don't think he was quite convinced, but oh, well, maybe, maybe. I reckon we could turn him. He laughed about it anyway. Uh, so yeah, get on there guys and support us on there. And of course, if you get onto iTunes and you can leave us a review or uh, say something nice and give us five stars or tell your mates that would all be very much appreciated to, uh, to keep this thing going, the Reverse Stick, the Global Hockey Podcast. Now, John, what next? No feedback. No feedback for you. Well no, done to all the TRS World 11 players out there. They're doing well at the weekend. Uh, get on and, uh, get onto Griff's diary. That's very important. So just before we go, John, you might set your mind back a couple of weeks to, uh, we were talking about club songs, yes. and of course we played three club songs on the yep. show and yep. asked if there's any teams out there that uh, requested or wanted us to make a club song up for yeah. them. And, uh, you know, we got both got the email, obviously, and uh, so I've email. gone away and... Cr- sorry? Email. 
Yeah, we got the email from the uh, the main the main person at Phoenix Field Hockey Club in Calgary. No. Okay. Okay, so I'm the only one who's prepared something this week. That's fine. No, no, no. That's Probably. good. That's good. We, we won't need to do anything else I other than this. No, you don't need to make your fine. This will this will this will be a winner. Um, I mean, okay. one of the things that was stipulated. Let's, let's have a listen to see. Well, how here's here's the thing. Like one of the things was stipulated that they'd like it to be um, an anthemic uh, Canadian tune and, you know, something which would be easy to sing along to. And, of course, our club song is uh, along the lines of Rule Britannia, so it's, you know, very anthemic and it's easy to give it a a cheer and a whoop to. Uh, So I started looking at some of the Canadian artists out there and possible songs and, you know, I looked at Avril Lavigne, maybe Skater Boy, um, uh, Celine Dion. You You could have looked at Neil Young. Who? How about Neil Young? How about, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure Warren Zephon's from Canada too. I mean, people it's with what the bloody hockey song. Yeah. Um, it's somebody. So I did, yeah, no, I, I put a bit of thought into it. Summer of '69, maybe from uh, Brian Adams. I was surprising a lot of um, um, well-known Canadian artists out there. Who knew? But there's also a load that are totally obscure. But what I did come across, um, John, and this was an old favourite from the pub jukebox when I was a kid, was uh, Diana by Paul Anker. No, I didn't know he was Canadian, but it fitted him perfectly. So um, I, d- I don't know if I need the music. No, we, we're not going to pay the money to play the music, no, are we? No, so we're not. I'll have to try and get myself into a um, Paul Anker crooning kind of post. Should I come back from the microphone a little bit? I think I will. About this far? Or, uh, uh, is that all right there? That's all right. Check it up there then. Okay. So you've got to imagine this is to the the the, the sound of Paul Anker and Diana. I'm imagining, mate. One for the kids. You might have to check I'll it have, out on YouTube. Yeah, I'm yeah, imagining all right. right. Here we go. A little bit of music to come in to start with. A bit more. <laughs> we are Phoenix FHC. The red, black and white from Calgary. Fun and friendship is why we play. Our hockey is so pretty, we'll beat you any day. We're number one, better than the rest. When we rise up, we are the best. Oh, let's play my Phoenix Hockey. What do you reckon? Did you... Was the mic on? Yeah, the entire east coast of the North American continent is currently being powered by Paul Anker spinning in his grave. <laughs> oh, look, you don't have to do it to that tune. You could just do the first four lines and it'd be a bit more raucous. So you could go, We are Phoenix FHC, the red, black and white from Calgary. Fun and friendship is why we play. Our kids so pretty, we'll beat you any day. Or something like that. Can I come up with something? Well, you think you can do something better than that? Yeah. All right, well, challenge is on then, mate. Okay, go away, yeah. go away in the week, bring something back better, and we'll put it to a vote. In fact, we might even run it for another couple of weeks. Maybe I'll deserve another go at it. I, I, I think your efforts have been tremendous, but uh, I'm, I'm sure that we can come up with something that the girls can actually sing. That would be nice. Lots of hockey on still over the weekend, John. The rest of the Sutton of Your Hall Cup, the Youth Olympic Games, you'll find that on the Olympic Channel. Sutton of Your Hall Cup, you will find on the YouTube channel. Oh, that's all happening, Links from Malaysian Hockey. If you're playing this weekend, good luck. I hope you have a great game and have a win. Of course, if you're driving in the car, chuck the Reverse Stick podcast on and annoy your passengers. Are you playing summer again? I started this week, mate, yeah. Did you? Uh, the Olympism played up a bit, but wasn't oh, too bad. Oh, good, good. 
take it easy, mate. Perfect. We'll be happy next week. Oh, you reckon? You know you can go now. Haven't you got anything better to do? No, it's still there. Still there? Yeah, definitely. It's annoying, isn't it, when you can't reach the off button? Siri. It's Alexa. Is it? They changed it.